Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am the sidekick Dylan Waugh. I am the Niles to Ken's Frazier. This week we're going to be talking about the Ottawa Senators. We're going to be talking about the Frozen Four, the OHL Cup, the Dallas Stars, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and of course some news coming out of the general managers meeting. You can follow us on Twitter at Ken underscore Campbell 27 and at underscore Dylan Waugh and this podcast at Hockey No Filter. Stick around. You know, this is just a lesson that if you give me, you know, nine or ten cracks of the can on something, eventually, you know, a, a blind squirrel will find a nut. You, you know, people again. out there don't know that it took you that many times. Eh? They're just hearing it for the first time. So maybe just pretend like you got it on the first time and and That's move like the, along. Uh, from the Lego movie where Batman's trying to throw the wrench at the button and then he finally hits the button. He goes, first try. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw it, but anyway. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, okay. So we're going to start off with a bit of a you know, more difficult topic because yep. there was a very surprising passing in the in the hockey world uh, just recently, which is uh, that of the Ottawa Senators owner, Eugene Melnick. And now the other day you wrote a fantastic article, which I thought was... It it summarizes his very complicated legacy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the Ottawa Senators. That's on your on your Substack, uh, at, which can be found at kencampbell.substack.com. And I was just wondering if you just wanted to chat a little bit yeah. about you. Yeah, th- yeah, I think I think it's it's probably appropriate to 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 address it and uh, and flesh it out a little bit here. Um, first of all, obviously, it you know a terrible tragedy. First of all, first yeah. and foremost, I mean, Eugene Melnick was only sixty-two years old. That's incredible. That's very very young. And I mean, I, I guess you take some solace in the fact that he, you know, was able to get a liver seven years ago and and got seven more years of life than he otherwise may have been able to get. Um, you know, but I mean, you remember the human being, right? The human being leaves behind a partner. He leaves behind two daughters that are, I think, fairly young. I think they're in university or, or, or around that age. So, you know, a terrible tragedy, um, you know, but a, but a very complicated legacy for sure. Um, a polarizing figure in the hockey world. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I mean, in 2003, he essentially saved the Ottawa Senators from, from, I, I mean, I, I think it'd be a little premature to say that they were going to move, but that would have been a de- definitely would have been a possibility. Yeah. Whereas he stepped in when really nobody else was willing to, um, you know, I, I mean, at the time it was 2003, we were a year away from the league shutting down for a year. The Canadian dollar was trading at like 71 cents. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the New York Rangers had a payroll of 76 million and Winnipeg or Minnesota had a payroll of 20 million. Um, you know, the, the, the tech industry in Ottawa had gone down the, down the, the, this, the crapper, um, for lack of a better term. Um, so it wasn't a real sort of super great investment for anybody at the time. And he stepped up and saved that team. So I think the people of Ottawa should remember that. Um, you know, there have been times probably more recently where, you know, it's gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same team that he saved, he sort of made a veiled threat that he would move. And and that really, really struck a lot of people in the wrong way and, and uh, got a lot of people awfully upset. But the one thing that I will say about Eugene Melnick and what he did is... I think one of the one of the worst parts of all of this is he's not going to get to see through this rebuild that he that he this teardown that he uh, sort of authorized in 2018. Yeah. I mean, he saw where the team was going and he said, "Okay, we're 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 stripping it down to the bone." You know, I mean, how many times in the past two or three decades have Toronto Maple Leaf fans yearned for a rebuild like that? Yeah. Yearned for it. Yeah. We're dying for it. Yeah. You know, and ownership was like, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to build on the fly because we don't want to miss playoff dates. We don't want to miss the revenues that come from playoff dates. We'd rather make the playoffs and win a round or two and sort of muck around the middle there than mm. actually, you know, tank and and crater mm-hmm. and get these elite, elite players that we can get at the top of the draft. And now, you know, I mean, there's still a ways away. There's still actually quite a ways away. The senators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're picking in the, they're going to probably pick in the top five again this year. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, it's there. I mean, the Eric Carlson trade, man, they, they got good return on that trade. Yeah. You know? They got good return on Mark Stone. They got, you know, for those guys that they that they 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 put they moved out of the organization, they got really good young returns. And now these guys are starting to find themselves as NHL players. I mean, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, you know, uh, Alex Formanton, Tim Stutzla. Yeah. You know, on the way they've got Jake Sanderson. They've got they've got some some decent prospects coming on the way as well. So um, you know, it's it's sad that he's not gonna be able to see uh what that final product is going to look like um so yeah yeah it's it's sad i think your point of going back to 2003 was an interesting one because it's so easy for us to get caught up in like recency bias right. like what's been right. happening lately but i mean ultimately eugene melnick was a person yep you know like like any of us you know subject to the same folly and and all the rest of it that people are subject to and when you think about how quickly and for reason, I'm not completely dismissing him, but uh, dismissing this, but for reason. But when you think about how quickly the Ottawa Senators fans turned on him, there must have been a, a point in his head, a part of his in his brain that said, like, I saved this franchise. Yeah. Ten yeah. years ago, I saved this. I bought this when nobody else would. And there was no guarantee that I was going to make a nickel off of it. As a matter of fact probably a decent chance I was going to lose some money on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that the the way that you took that bird's eye view, I think was hugely important because okay. his legacy is complicated, yeah. but it also, um, it, it puts a lens on it. It puts right. a human lens on it. Right. right you know? Right. I, I just think you have to have an accurate portrayal on both sides. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there was journalism, some, yeah, if you will, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were there were some 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 dark moments and yeah. some things that he did that were, you know, really, really counterproductive to that franchise. But um, all in all, I would say that he's on the positive side of the ledger for sure. Yeah. I think what's interesting now is what happens to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Um, you know, do they I mean, as like I said, his daughters are very young. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I, I think he's said that he's got it set up that it's going to stay in his family for generations. Um, I, d I don't know that that's feasible. I, I yeah. would expect and and I, I mean, just reading tea leaves, not anything else. I would expect that that the team at some point will be sold. And and one of the caveats of selling that team, will it has to stay in Ottawa. And I think that's where you can see some 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 positivity as well because i mean part of the negative part of eugene melnick's legacy is that he he tried to get the rink downtown uh it ended up in a bunch of people suing each other a lot of hard feelings a lot of crossing swords with yeah. the city and and you know it just it just never got any traction and now if suppose there's some new ownership and you know, maybe they'll be able to resurrect that downtown arena project yeah. and uh, get things going with that as well. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's look at the on ice product, because you were talking about the rebuild just a mm -hmm. second ago. The re the opinions on Ottawa's rebuild are extremely mixed. I was yeah. listening to um, uh, your friend Stephen Ellis at the Hockey News, and, and he said that he thinks that Ottawa will be the next Canadian team to win the cup. Well, he's a big stupidy head, so. <laughs> you, you seem to have a lot of those guys as friends don't you <laughs> present company excluded of course yeah. um but then uh you know andrew berkshire was on uh my habstation podcast and and he he laid out a hot he's not a hot take guy but he laid out what i consider a very hot take which is that he thinks that montreal canadians are closer than the ottawa senators because he simply just doesn't see that elite style talent such as a Nick Suzuki or even potentially a Cole Caulfield on the Ottawa Senators. He sees a lot of very good pieces yeah, as opposed to like the kind of like, you know, build around sort of pieces, right? Romanov's a good piece. They shouldn't be building their defense around him no, because no. he's just fine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So my, my curiosity is, do you think that there's any specific piece of the Ottawa Senators that's missing in this rebuild? I do. Uh, I think their their bottom six is really not up to par. 
Well, depth is the easiest. Depth, yeah, thing depth, to, depth, yeah. and and I think you know. I mean, if you're gonna if if you're going to if you're gonna build a team, and you know you're going to uh, you're, you're going to take advantage of this young talent. At some point, you've got to spend money, right? Oh, you got to yeah. spend money. You got to be a cap team, and they're yeah. not they're not a cap team, and they're not close to being a cap team right now, right? So I look at a guy like I don't know, like say Connor Brown. He's up. I think after next year, 3.6 million, he'll be 28 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to want more money. It's traditionally when players look for their payday. Right. And he's going to want more money and he's probably going to walk. Well, then what are you doing? Like if, if you can't find a place for a, a hardworking, like guy that's provides leadership and kills penalties and does all the little things and is coachable and, and that then, then, you know, are you really in the game or are you just, or are you just constantly cycling young players through and then and then becoming a farm team for the rest of the NHL, which is what Arizona Coyotes did for years, right? Yeah. Like at, by the time they get to be at a spot where they can help, well, they can, you can't afford them, so you you trade them for more futures. Then more futures come in, and it just becomes a big cycle. Yeah. I, I like a team that has you know Josh Norris, you know Tim Stutzla, and uh, maybe Shane Pinto down the middle, but. You know what? That's a good point. I don't. Yeah, there's not elite talent. I mean, is Thomas Shabbat a Norris Trophy winner? He I'd might, say that he might. I'd be. say that he's probably, he might be. He probably might be. the closest thing to elite talent in the sense of he's a number one defenseman. Yeah. There's. There's. Yeah. yeah. And I he, don't know that there's 32 bona fide number one defenseman in the league, just like I don't know that there's 32 bona fide starting goaltenders in the league. And I right. don't know that there's 32 number one centers in the league. Like actually guys that you would say, yes, he's the one that I want as my first line center. Right. right. And, and I would say that if there's 15 or 20 number one defensemen in the league, I'd say Thomas Shabbat is one of them. Sure. Sure. And I think too, um, I mean, they're tired of hearing the word rebuild in Ottawa and they should be tired of it. Yeah. I mean, and Pierre Dorian said before this year, I don't want to hear that word anymore. Well, sorry, but it's Yeah, still, then you gotta win. Yeah, yeah. Then then yeah, then you yeah. have to then you have to not be rebuilding, yes. right? <laughs> um and 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 they still, you know, they traded jo- they traded um Nick Paul. You know, they trade, you know, so that was another, that was a confounding so, one. Yeah. And then, and then they picked, they picked up Travis Hamannick, which was the biggest head scratcher yeah. in, of the whole trade deadline, as far as I was concerned. So to me, I mean, the rebuild is still going on. It's still going to be going on for a little while. You know, hopefully, you know, maybe I, I know Ottawa Senate fans don't want to hear this, but they don't, they, I, I'm sure they don't want to be in the lottery in 2023. Yeah. But if you're in the lottery in 2023, you're getting one of those guys. It's you're true. getting you're getting one of those guys. Yeah. You're getting Connor Bedard. You're getting Adam Fantilli. Yeah. You're getting Matt Met Mitchkoff. You know? Yeah. That then you've got your guy. You I know? call them Connor Bedard, Mitchkoff, and the other fella. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, I always forget Fantilli's name. Yeah, well, you're gonna be hearing a lot about <laughs> the other you're gonna be hearing a lot about the other fella next year. He's it, gonna be playing at the University of Michigan. Yeah. And he's a great, big, strong, talented guy. I know. Yeah. I, it's, hey, look, it's only it's it's my stupidity. I call "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" that movie with George Clooney and the other two fellas. <laughs> you know, and and those other two fellas are fantastic. So you know, okay, this, this is on me, is what I'm trying to it's say. It's on you. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, my horrible memory. Okay. Let's, so let's switch gears. But that's interesting. Like that. That. But that. I never thought of it that way. Like they have a lot of good players, but they don't have any first team all stars. Well, you see, studs, award winners. Future Hall of Famers, maybe. Like, I mean, Thomas Shabbat, maybe. You see, you you, you you called your friend a big stupid head. I've got very smart friends. Right, right. <laughs> that okay. I hang around okay. on the flip side. So, and and I would consider Andrew Berkshire one of the one of the smarter fellows that he I makes, know. He makes a lot of sense with that point. Yeah. Yeah, there's no Suzuki, there's no Caulfield in, in Ottawa right now. Yeah. yeah. And now they've, of course, got a lot more pieces. Yeah, they've got- Montreal yeah. does, but- in terms of that guy that you build around, like like Montreal doesn't have to worry necessarily about getting a Shane Wright this year because yeah. they've got Nick Suzuki. Right, who right, is, right. If not already, guaranteed by next year as one of the top 15 yeah. centers. And, and I'm, not, I'm not convinced Shane Wright is that guy either. Hmm. Interesting. It, you know, he might be, but I'm not convinced he is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we get off the Ottawa Senators... Any guesses how long before they reach contender status? Wow. Uh, I'd say at least three, four years. 
Yeah. Still another couple of years of tough sliding, I think. Yeah. But yeah. don't not, not rebuilding. In the, especially in the east in that in that division. Yeah, I know. I mean that's a that's a brutal division. It's tough. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the I think the days of the Ottawa Senators, you know, hoarding draft picks and getting three first round picks and and you know accumulating all these young assets. Mm -hmm. I think that's that part has done has been done. Yes, and they've got they've got the product of that. Yep, and it's coming up. Yeah. Um. I you know I mentioned Jake Sanderson. I I mean he's he's one of the best players in college hockey. Yeah. I worry about his ability to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be an absolute top two stud in the NHL. So really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's wow. a, he'll be a hell of a defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's switch gears here for a little bit. Okay. Talk about some other young fellas. Yes. <laughs> young fellas. Yep. Uh, gosh, I'm just getting older by the minute, aren't I? <laughs> we all are Dylan. You know, Nobody, know. nobody's getting younger. That's how it works. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid linear time. <laughs> Switching gears for a minute. Talking about some other young, young fellas. Uh, Frozen Four Championships coming up. Young fellas. Yes, sir. Well, it's your fault. You were showing me um, uh, some Johnny Cash tunes <laughs> before we got started. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you think about those storylines, there, young fella? In the Frozen Four? In the four, Frozen Four. What storylines are you following for well, the Frozen the, Four? I think the, the big one is the Michigan Wolverines. They're, they're in the yeah. Final Four. They're in the Frozen Four. They're playing Denver in the first game. And then the winner of Minnesota and Minnesota State, <laughs> Mankato. The Rough Riders. Intercept a pass from the Rough Riders. <laughs> they're playing. And then yep. the, two, the two teams will meet in the final. Uh, to me, Minnesota is, or sorry, Michigan is really, really... Uh, intriguing. They have 13 NHL draft picks on their team. I'm not sure that I've ever... I mean, I'm sure it's happened in junior hockey before that there have been 13 draft picks on a team, but I don't know that there's ever been 13 NHL picks on a, on a, on a college team before. I'm almost certain it's happened in junior hockey, and it yeah. was... Uh, who played with Patrice Bergeron? Was it that team? There, there was a number of... There's oh, like yeah? five or six at least that I can name. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, go go yeah, on. Yeah. 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 It's so so. Anyways, and and high picks. You know, you've got Owen Power, yep. who the second that that either the first or second game is over is going to be packing his his stuff and going to Buffalo. Yeah. You've got Matty Beneers, who's at the same thing, going to be going to Seattle. You've got Kent Johnson, who might be going to Columbus. But the guy that I'm really intrigued about, what the future holds for him is Luke Hughes. Hmm. The fourth overall pick, the brother of Jack Hughes, the fourth overall pick of the New Jersey Devils, yeah, um, is a freshman at Michigan, has had a ridiculous season, like a record-breaking, yeah. epic freshman season at, at, at the University of Michigan. Yeah. So now what happens? Like we've seen in the last couple of years, guys staying for, a, for an extra year, including his brother Quinn, Mm -hmm. You know, that those guys really benefited from staying for another year. So you've got, you know, you've got Kale McCarr, who could have come out after his first year and played in Colorado, waited a year. We're seeing possibly the Norris Trophy winner. We're seeing it with, with Quinn Hughes. We saw it with Zach Wierenski. We've seen it with a lot of guys that stay that extra year. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, with what this kid has done this year and what he's accomplished, it'll be interesting to see which way that goes. I, I doubt it. Like if he joins, if he, if he turns pro, I doubt it'll be like right after this season. It might be this summer, mm -hmm. you know, where he signs with New Jersey and they get it all worked out, but it'll be interesting to see where that, where that goes. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple, you know, some of the other teams. Um, Sorry, before we get off of yeah, him, yeah. How, how much do you think of that he holds in his hands? Like as a fourth overall pick, you know, now traditionally players don't have a ton of, yeah, uh, leverage in terms of when they want to turn pro, but this is a this is a different story. And of course, he'd be going to play with his brother potentially. I, I think I think that that New Jersey would say they might say something like this: We'd prefer you stay another year, but if yeah. you really think you're ready, yeah, we're not adverse to it. Right, adverse to it. Um, and it's the same. It was the same thing with Dylan Larkin when he played 
when he when he at another University of Michigan guy, right? Dylan Larkin, when he turned pro after his first year with Detroit, I talked to Ken Holland about it when he was the GM, and he said, "Look, here's what he told Dylan Larkin and his parents. He said, okay, you want to sign? You want to turn pro? Fine, we're going to do it. But if you're sitting in the middle of December, looking out the window of a bus." On your way back to, uh, you know, uh, you know, out of some American Hockey League city, yeah, and it's snowing and raining and it's dark out, and you're on this bus. Remember, you made this decision, right. you know. Yeah. So, and and it didn't turn out that way. He was great as a rookie, and he's been a great player ever yeah, since. Yeah. But I think that that's what the the message was: was okay. You want to turn pro, and you think you're ready? Yeah, we'd rather you stay. But if you think you're ready, we'll give you that chance. But if you're not good enough, you're not going to play for our team. You're going to play in the minors. And if that is what your fate is this year, you have to remember that you made that decision. So yeah. I, I think that's that would be kind of the way it would be dealt with, with a guy like Luke Hughes. Um, but, you know, maybe Luke Hughes is sitting there thinking, no, my brother did two years. You know, and, and like there would be zero downside to him staying in Michigan for another year. Zero. Yeah. Like he, he could... He, he would just dominate. He'd have a chance to play in the World Juniors again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it would be, you know, I mean, there would be zero downside to it, but it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, OHL Cup yep. is coming to my hometown, your adopted <laughs> hometown this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, what a shock that the OHL Cup would come and be hosted by the GTHL. It always is. It's, it's, no, it's hosted by the OHL. It's always at the, it's always in Toronto. Yeah, it's I, always I, in Toronto. Yeah, little, 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 uh, little subtle humor, but it might have might have gone a little yeah. over your head. But yeah. uh, uh, no, no, no. See, I got it. Here's what okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my kids used to say when I'd say dad jokes. Yeah, we get it, Dad. It's just not funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no, I'm now the dad in that. Ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, you know what? Just as a quick aside, my daughter. From about eight months, eight months old, yeah. figured out what my punchlines sound like and would laugh at the end of my punchlines. That's there a good. That's a good kid. No way that she could have understood the joke. Yeah, but she figured out my setup punchline and she would laugh. And nice. so I tell Tanya a joke, my wife Tanya, and she'd like roll her eyes, and then Taylor would just burst out laughing. Or maybe she's just on like another plane of like oh she'll humor rule us all one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the OHL Cup. Mm -hmm. Is coming. It's starting today, actually. It actually, the playing games were yesterday. It actually has already. There have already been games th today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there have been a couple of games already. Uh, which is March thirtieth. What storylines are you following in this OHL Cup? Well, this this one's pretty clear. Um, there are three players in that are going to be playing in this tournament that have applied for exceptional player status with Hockey Canada. Mm -hmm. um, which, which just to give people an idea of what that is, um, you have to be 16 years old to play major junior hockey. Yeah. These, these players are all playing a year up as under 16s. Yeah. Uh, and they would like to play in the OHL next year as 15 year olds. Right. Right. So, so I, I mean, it's what Connor, it's what Connor Bedard did. It's what Connor McDavid did. It's what John Tavares did. Yeah. It's what Joe Valeno did. It's, it's that, that thing. So, yeah. so there's. Some of them work out. They Some of them don't. Most of them work out. The only yeah. one that's really been a like a complete bust was Sean Day. Right. Yeah. But the rest of them have been either pretty good or very, very good. Right. Um, so anyway, so that that's that's what that's where this is going. Like these these three kids, they've all applied. Uh usually they make up their minds before the OHL Cup, but I think with you know the pandemic and everything, they want to see these kids a little more before they make this decision. But there's three yeah. kids. One is a kid by the name of Ryan Rubrek. Okay. He's a 14-year-old kid. He doesn't turn 15 until late September. Uh, he's like six foot two, 190, uh, skill, you know, meanness, you know, like Andre Kopitar type of guy. Mm -hmm. um, plays for the London Junior Knights, who actually lost their first game this morning, but he had a goal. Um so he's he's one of them. The other one, the other two play for the Mississauga Senators. One's a kid by the name of Michael Miza, a dynamic, speedy centerman who can who can really create like like the, it's it's really weird because Mississauga had they were the best team in Ontario for 
like in, in this age group forever. Yeah. And then they crapped out in the GTHL playoffs, the, the Toronto playoffs. So they had to actually play a wild card game to get into the OHL cup. Right. And they did yesterday and, and uh, it was, they won like nine, two. And, uh, and, and so, so you've got, you've got this guy, you've got um, Michael Misa and you've got another guy by the name of William Moore, who's a great big power forward guy. You know, one of these guys that's really good in, in tight and, from the hash marks they all from what i understand they all could probably play in the ohl next year yeah um i would be surprised if more than one of them does mm. i wouldn't be surprised if none of them do um you know i mean hockey canada has never picked more than one you right. know and and so uh i wouldn't expect that they'll pick more than one now um but they and they might pick none but these kids are all you know they're all they're all like very, very good players and, and could all play in, could all be top picks in major junior hockey and, and play in the OHL next year. The criteria for um, OHL exceptional status mm -hmm. or CHL exceptional status, I should say, right. is uh, very specific. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is what sometimes gets lost in the conversation about exceptional status is that it, the, the criteria is not, can you do it? The criteria is, do you have absolutely nothing more to gain by not doing it? Right. And, and are you able to, do you have the maturity to be able to handle this? Right. You know, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, moving to Erie or yeah. wherever it is that you're going, yeah. you know, playing for a bad team, yeah. you know, getting hit a lot, yeah. you, know, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, and, yeah. and dealing with, you know, some some trials and tribulations along the way. They have a they have a separate panel that that does all this stuff and they yeah. they put them through all kinds of psychological testing, they watch them play, yeah. they you know, everything. So, you know, they're probably going to get it right most times. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see which one, which one they pick if anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just I've just always thought that that uh it sometimes <clears throat> gets lost in the shuffle because you know, like you said, all three of them could probably play in the OHL next year. Mm -hmm. Right? But can they prove that they have nothing more to gain by playing uh, a level down? Well, they're not. They're not going to play. They're not going to play. They're not going to play under sixteen next year. No, 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 no. Yeah. They they do have. From what I understand, and I and I've I've only seen snippets of these kids. I've seen them play a couple of times. Yeah. But in talking to scouts and agents, they don't have anything to gain by playing under sixteen again. Yeah. So what they'll end up doing is they'll uh, go to. Shattuck St. Mary's or something, right, you know, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a prep school, a prep school or, yeah. you know, something like that. And then yeah. they'll go to the OHL next year because really there's just, you know, there's no yeah. point in them racking up these enormous numbers. I mean, I mean, Ryan Rubrick's a 14 year old kid playing against kids who are 15 and almost 16. And he had like 79 points in 30 games, you know? Yeah. So I'm not sure there's a lot to be gained by him going back and now, you know, being at the same age as a lot of those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on? Mm -hmm. We shall then. We shall. Um, the Dallas Stars mm -hmm. are a perplexing team. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good way to describe them. I I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, whenever I can bust out a three syllable word, I'm really uh, I'm I'm pleased with myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, the two years removed from a Stanley Cup final appearance last year had an abysmal year, possibly because of COVID and then the snowstorm in Texas, but then followed it up with an incredibly bad start to this season, possibly goaltending. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but at yeah. the same time, you know, there's a lot of reasons that the Leafs keep on washing out in the first round. Sooner or later, it gets to just be a piss off. It just do it, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of reasons, but at the same time, uh, anyways, most recently they turned it around in a fairly large way and they're now in a wild card spot by points percentage, by but points that's just percentage. because they have games in hand, which you have to win and you, you should, you know, they yeah. beat Anaheim the other night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they beat the powerhouse Anaheim <laughs> ducks. <laughs> you got to win the games you can win. Uh, the, yeah. those, go, those are games where you, you, I mean, you got to win those. Games. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. afford to take yeah. a night off. Yeah. Um, looking at the Dallas Stars lineup, though, there's something that it, there's a lot of intriguing pieces. And uh, what's funny is that if you look at their points leadership, it's like Joe Pavelski, young fella, young fella, young fella, young fella. 
Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah They're yeah. points leaders. But do you think that this is a team that if they do get into the playoffs could make some noise? Because, I mean, look, nobody expected them to go to the Stanley Cup final two years ago. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think keeping Pavelski and not not and signing him to a one year extension. Yeah. Instead of getting rid of him at the trade deadline for futures was a real indication that this team thinks gutsy that they can that they can do this. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, well, it wasn't that gutsy. I mean, because you're getting him for another year. What would have really been gutsy would have been if they hadn't been able to resign right. him and and gotten and risked getting nothing for him. Yeah. On, on July 13th when yeah. free agency opens, which is what m- may very well end up ha- happening with John Klingberg. Right. I mean, they could have, conceivably, they could have traded John Klingberg at the trade deadline. Yeah. And I mean, if, if like, I, I, I just, you know, if Ben Sherratt and Brett Kulak got the returns that they got. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine what a guy like John Klingberg would have fetched on the open market yeah. in terms of future. So they clearly think they have a group that can do that can that can do something special. Yeah. Can they win the Stanley Cup? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, can they win a couple of rounds? They they might be able to. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, it. There's clearly a shift there. I mean, I, I think Joe Pavelski taking a one year deal is huge. Yeah. Like he obviously is saying, I like this group. I like it here. I'm willing to go on a series of one year deals until I can't play anymore. Right. And. There's absolutely zero indication that that's happening in the in the immediate future. Yeah. But the best thing about it is when it does happen, he's on a one year deal. Right. Right. And he so, and he just falls off. Thanks and, for the memories. And that's and that's it. And then he rides yeah. off into the sunset. It's a great, great, great setup for the Dallas Stars. Yeah. And and it, it speaks to their culture. Obviously, yeah. they've got a culture there that you know a guy like Joe Pavelski who could go somewhere else and chase the money and get a couple of years yeah. on a deal says, yeah. no, I'll stay here. I'll keep playing on one year deals. That's a great, that's great for the Dallas stars. You know, Especially because he hasn't played his whole career there. Right. You see guys right. do that with teams that they played their whole yeah. career with. Yeah. You rarely see that with teams where a guy played. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. He's been there two years. This is his third year there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that the Stanley cup run was his first year there. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you've got you've got him, and then you've got you know a whole host of really 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 talented young guys. Yeah, I mean Jason Robertson has been a revelation. Yeah. I mean I, I mean I think people knew he was going to be good. I don't think they thought he was going to be able to score goals the way he's he's scoring goals. Yeah, and he's a way better skater than I think a lot of people projected. He doesn't look great as a mm-hmm. skater, but he gets there and he's, yeah. And he, he just plays a real gritty game and he just goes to the areas where he needs to go to score. You know, you've got Rupe Hints, who's a guy that, you know, like it just seems like he can do everything. And, yeah. and when he, and like, I know last year they were saying that when you find out what this guy has been playing through, you're going to be, you're going to be blown away. Like yeah. he's a guy that you can put together with, tape and string and stuff and he can still be really good yeah um you know you've got Gurianov, you've got some really good young talent there it'll be interesting to see what happens with klingberg yeah. um it's a money thing it's just a money thing he doesn't want to leave dallas he wants to stay yeah they want him back yeah um and and so it's a money thing and yeah. if they can find the if they can find the cap space he'll stay and if they can't he'll go yeah. So that'll be interesting. But what I find interesting about Dallas too is they they have I was doing a bit of research before the broadcast and they're well, you could argue their top 3 their top 3 prospects are uh all of them are leading in points per game in the respective leagues in which they play. Yeah. So Maverick Bork leading the Quebec League in points per game. Logan Stankovin a second round pick. Uh, playing Kamloops of the Western League, leading the Western League in points per game, just slightly ahead of Connor Bedard, by the way, <laughs> but first in points per game. Yeah, Wyatt Johnson uh, with the Windsor Spitfires, leading both scoring and points per game. Yeah, in the in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, so I think that's a real sort of tip of the cap to Joe McDonnell, their their head amateur scout, and that staff that they've put together that, you know, none of these guys were like, quote unquote, high picks. They yeah. were all either late first round picks or, or second round pick. Yeah. And so you've got to hit on those and they appear to have 
hit on them. You know, they've got a they've got a goalie that they think in Jake Ottinger that they think is going to be a guy that that is going to be really good someday. Yeah, and he's really good sometimes, and he's really not good sometimes, <laughs> yeah. which is why they had to go out and get Scott Scott Wedgwood at the at the deadline. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean they're they're a tweener right now with I think the ability to make that jump if some of these young guys come in and can do at the NHL level what they've been doing at the junior level. Yeah. So speaking of John Klingberg, he has any guesses how many points he has this year? Uh, Why would I tell you? 51. <laughs> now it seems like he does badly. He's got 38 points this okay. year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In 65 games. But he's got mono. He said mono. He's out. Or no, it's Heiskanen. Sorry, it's Heiskanen. Yeah, it's Heiskanen. Mono. Sorry, out. sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. He's got 38 points this year. You know who that ties him with? Jamie Benn. Jamie Benn's actually had a sneaky pretty good year. Yeah, well, look, the, th- the fact is, is that 38 points is not, um, like, Jamie Benn's not exactly going to win the scoring title here, right? Yeah. But 38 points in 65 games is a very respectable yeah. amount. Yeah, yeah. If you end off the year with 45 to 50 points, it's a respectable amount, right. right? And now that's for a forward. Now for a defenseman, that's an outrageous amount. Now number number, not amount. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Yes, that's an outrageous number. Now, obviously, we are like <laughs> Sorry. You're you're giving me like a you're giving me like um like a uh, an OCD. Like I corrected a spelling error in my own notes here that only I am looking at. On the off chance that you caught a glimpse out of like my glasses, okay, I wrote like uh, OHL COP cop instead of CUP cup, and I was like, oh boy, I'm better. I actually <laughs> saw that last night, but I thought I ah, late. He's probably half asleep. Yeah, well, how yeah. nice of you. <laughs> I do a lot of speech to text, especially because I'm I was watching the Calgary ah. Flames game. Anyways, mm. nobody needs nobody nobody cares what I do. Um, You're right. No one does. <laughs> but <laughs> look, obviously, Kale McCarr and. Uh, and Roman Yossi are completely skewing our expectations as to what defenseman scoring is supposed to look like. But traditionally, 38 points in 65 games Damn for defenseman is good. fantastic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I, I look at this team, and then, of course, like you said, Jason Robertson, uh, Rupe Hintz, Dennis Garyanov, Miro Heiskanen. Jacob Peterson. They've got, they've got some decent, they've got some decent guys. Jacob Peterson, yes. They've got this incredible young core that is coming up, mm-hmm. and it just seems like the old core will be able to age out with that young core Ready seamlessly to, yeah. moving in to take their place. And, and then isn't the next that how it's supposed to work. And then the next young core yeah. is going to seamlessly move in yeah, yeah. to take this young group's place. Right. And so my question is though. Is this a recipe for perpetual mediocrity, or well, well it's it could be a, per, a a recipe for perpetual good, not great, right? You know what I mean? Like, so it could be a yeah. A, I mean, a, Webster's a recipe. dictionary defines mediocrity as yeah. Okay, <laughs> no, it it should it, it could be a it could be a a recipe for perpetual San Jose Sharks, right? You know what I mean? Like good. Really good, Nashville Predators. It yeah. could be a recipe for Nashville Predators. Yeah, good to really good. Yeah, but not quite good enough. Yeah, but you're talking about the Dallas Stars. Um, you know they can they that would be a that would be a very attractive free agent landing spot. Yeah. Because of taxes, because of Texas, because of taxes in Texas, uh, yeah, and and, uh, and I love how you said right off in the sunset for Joe Pavelski, and we're talking about Texas. Nice, nice. Yeah, that was yeah, a I very, didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's it it a very good one. Anyways, I, I, you know, I mean, that's where maybe you get the guy that puts you over the top, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, a completely underutilized thing in in the NHL is this idea of you know offer sheets. Well, offer sheets was. I was going to say, and actually this would dovetail nicely. I was going to say the one-year contract. The, look, man, we are one, mm-hmm. whatever. Like when Steven Stamkos was up or when John Tavares was up or when, you know, this year it's going to be Malkin and, and when Patrice Barry, Bergeron. When yes, Barry Kotkaniemi was right. up. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't really quite, uh, you know, fit tie the, in. Fit the mold. Fit the mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to turn around and say to Patrice Bergeron, we are one, one Patrice Bergeron away from a potential Stanley Cup. Just give us a year, man. 
And you can still sign elsewhere. We're one of getting Malkin yeah. away from a Stanley Cup. Give us one year. The one-year contract is a very underutilized aspect of the NHL. And I wonder if the salary cap constrictions are going to eventually force a lot of one-year contracts for free agents. Not necessarily the older ones like the Patrice Bergerons, but for the mid-age, like when Tavares was up at 28, Right, but you can but give teams, him one year, and then he's twenty nine. You can still proved, get a seven year. Teams, teams have proved time and time and time and time again that they don't learn from that, <laughs> and and that they don't care. They don't learn, and they don't care. So, too so much they logic. may they may still want the guy only for one year, but they they might be willing to sign him for three. Right, not caring what they get from him in year three. Yeah, because yeah. in year three, who knows what the NHL is going to look like? Who knows what the salary cap is going to look like? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you but know, I'm so. even talking about like it benefits the player in the sense that yeah. like, look, look, you know, Stamkos or Tavares, right, are, are the two big examples of guys that were um, in their early prime or late prime, I should say. Right. That yeah. that their contracts were up and you can turn around and say you can still hit big on that mega deal you want next year for 12 million bucks a year or 11 million bucks a year. But just give us one year at four million. And let's do yeah, this. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you know why. Why would what? Why would John Tavares have done that? He got to the place he wanted to be. He got the money he wanted. He got the term he wanted. Specifically for John Tavares, yes. Why would Steven Stamkos have done it? He's you know. Yeah. I mean, he got to the place he wanted to be. He got money. He got term, and yeah. he got to be part of a team that's part of a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's not a good. Yeah, strategy. I'm just saying. I'm not sure it, it, it's going to work that well. Yeah, you know. I just wonder as we see guys become UFAs and they become younger and younger as UFAs. If at 27, person player X will not just say, "Yeah, okay, well, I'll sign a one year deal and try it for the cup here, and then get my money next year." Well, yeah, but it's got to be a guy who maybe has had a down year and is going to bet on himself. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, the Taylor that's, Hall contract is kind of like what I'm yeah, driving that, at yeah, here. But yeah, you did yeah. it with Buffalo, which was just a, yeah, a, but, but, a tremendous boner. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah. So <laughs> there's the boner thing. <laughs> you said boner. Um, but yeah, but like yeah. so so it's got to be a guy who who's gonna who's willing to bet on himself and yeah. say yeah, yeah, I've had a bad couple of years. I'll come here play for a really good team. Yeah. I mean, Timo Solani and Paul Korea did it one year. Yeah, that's they right. They both signed with Colorado for like yeah. a million something. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah, right. So if it does, then then you've maybe hit on something. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's ride this one out into the sunset. The, the the Dallas Stars. Oh, the Dallas Stars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We can, thought, we can move on to, stuff to, the, talk to about. Steel yeah. Town, but uh, okay. You know, yes, we we have uh, cleared our name of murder. We have uh, solved the evil railroad tycoon. There is no more gold in the mountains. I have I'm no doing, idea what you're talking. I'm doing about. every country music, uh, country okay. music, country movie, country and western movie mm. trope I can think of. Good. Yes. Yeah. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> Uh, I'm just checking for stuff here. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. Are you finished? N- yes, I'm done with the Western finish. Okay. Good. Yes, yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> the gut, the six shooter that has about 38 shots. You just in said it. you were done. You just said <laughs> you were Pittsburgh done. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Steel Town. <laughs> yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Before before we get on the Pittsburgh Penguins, I made a joke two podcasts ago with Bob McKenzie when we were talking about Bobby Margarita, and um, and I said, you know, good thing you didn't put it too much sugar. Uh, you know, causes hangovers. And I said, speaking of hangovers, it was like a funny little segue. Somebody commented on YouTube and said, you're not funny. Don't try to be funny. Wow. <laughs> well, at least, they're, at least they're being honest. Yeah. Well, you know what? I appreciated the fact so, that it wasn't mean. I, yeah, it was just. Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I would say that too. That you're not funny. No, no. To you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just joshing with you, Dylan. <laughs> I'm well aware. We are Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, well, we've only got two topics to go. Pittsburgh Penguins, for a change, decided to buy at the trade deadline. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> this is a huge departure from the Jim Rutherford years where they would, checks notes, buy, buy at, at the, the trade, trade deadline. deadline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they picked up a fascinating piece, though, in Ricard Raquel. Now, would you at this point consider them a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Yes. Yes. Tell but, me why. Well, because they're good. And, and I mean, this would not be a case of just get in and anything can happen. 
Right. I mean, I mean, when you've got that, when you've got Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, and of Jenny Malkin, who have done it three times <laughs> and know what it takes, you've yeah. got you've got a chance. Yeah. You've got a chance. Um, they can't beat the Rangers. They can't beat the Rangers. They <laughs> lost again to them last night. Um, so if they face the Rangers, they might be submarined. Um, this is like a logic test. The Pittsburgh Penguins are to the Rangers what the Washington Capitals are to the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. I, I, I mean, every year we wait for it to happen, right? For them every, to fall off a cliff. Every year we yeah. wait, and, and we'll wait for it next year. Yeah. And we'll wait, maybe wait for it the year after. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. That precipitous decline has not happened yet. Yeah. You know, but part of the reason is that Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Sidney Crosby the are, such, are such, yeah, are such incredible pros yeah. that they just keep coming back and being good. Yeah. But it's also because of the fact that they have found a lot of players where other people weren't looking. They found Brian yeah. Rust, you know, Dave yeah. Gensel, you know, the guy, those guys that they've filled in with have yeah. been excellent. You know, Tristan Jari is having a very good bounce back year, like very, very good bounce back year. Yeah. So the question now is, can he do it in the playoffs? Yeah. Does he implode in the playoffs? If he implodes in the playoffs, they're done. They're done. I mean, that could be said of almost any goaltender that, in the playoffs. That, that right? could be said yeah. of any goaltender in yeah. the playoffs. But but you go into the playoffs knowing pretty well, knowing that Andre Vasilevsky is not going to implode. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there are guys you know that aren't going to implode, right? Yeah. You don't know with Tristan Jerry. Yeah. Tristan Jari. Um, so, I mean, if they can get way above average goaltending <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, things, it's just a matter of things coming together. Right. So, I mean, you could make the argument that if any team could get way above average goaltending that, you know, they can, they could, I mean, you know, Montreal last year was yeah, just yeah. Carey Price and those other fellas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But I mean, they, I like, what they've got, you know, I mean, Brian Boyle's having a good year like that, that you know, that's I mean, a feel that's, good that's, story as well. Yeah, right? It's great. It's you great. Know? So yeah. Do the I think, do giants. I think they're going to win the Stanley cup? No. Do I yeah. think they could? Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I mean, and Ricard Raquel is like, he was a good pickup. He was a really good pickup. He's kind I, of I, a I'm, playoff I'm wondering, guy too. Yeah. But like, I'm, I, I'm kind of wondering where he became the second coming of, like Rocket Richard, yeah, know. you know what I mean. Like yeah. he's a good pickup. He's a really good pickup. But yeah. I mean, he's he's good. You know, he's you a said top that six when you guy. came on Habs Petition in the off season or after the off season when uh, Montreal got uh, Christian Dvorak, and like the Habs fans are going crazy about this guy on Twitter. And you go, you went, when did Christian Dvorak become the second coming of Mark Messier? <laughs> yeah, it was true. crazy. No, it's, it's very true. true. Yeah, I, I would say that Ricard Raquel. I mean, like you said, he's he's a very solid middle six winger. He's got a bit of an edge to him, yep. which is probably very beneficial in the playoffs, which respect to Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, you know, they're, they're missing the kind of that Hornfest element yeah, on the yeah, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ricard Raquel could potentially bring that mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. some scoring and some, you know, yeah, yeah. just yep. everything you want. He brings, I agree. He's not, you know, he's not Richard. Right. Yeah. But in fairness, with the legend that surrounded Richard, Richard is not really Richard anymore <laughs> now, is he? It's kind of like when uh, when um, uh, uh, the the goalie um, wrote that book about the Gordie Howe, and he said that Gordie Howe only had two Gordie Howe hat tricks in his career. I don't think he had any. I no, don't think he had uh, any. What's his name? Ken Dryden wrote a book. The goalie. Yeah. That one. Yeah. No. No. Ken Dryden. Wrote a book. Yeah, the guy that won like six days. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah him? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of Vezina trophies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're familiar with his work. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, not sure that Gordie Howe even had one in his career. I I was listening to Ken Dryden being interviewed on CBC, and he said he had two. Oh, really? But my okay. point is, is that the yeah. legend of Gordie Howe is bigger than Gordie Howe right, at this right, stage of right. the game, right? Yeah. Um. Anyways, I'd say, like for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I, I don't consider them a bona fide contender. I would, of course... With with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, you have to put them down as a dark horse. But I just they're just one hundred percent a step below, you know, the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, and 
if Vegas gets healthy, I say this knowing that I opened myself up to ridicule again, but if Vegas gets healthy, I put them potentially in that no, category. I don't, I don't. I know you don't. The, see, but the thing is, Dylan, is that they don't have to worry about both the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They only have to worry about one of them. Yeah. Because only one of them is getting out of the second round. Potentially none. Like, yeah, to, yeah, to be mean, honest, because like there's a world here where the Florida Panthers get the same awakening that the Tampa Bay Lightning got at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right, right. Right? Yeah, You know, there's possible. a world here where that happens. I don't see that happening. Yeah. I look at, at Florida's defense. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. Especially if, if Ekblad's if, healthy. If Ekblad's yeah, healthy, yeah. then you've got Ekblad Uyghur, two big, yeah. miserable SOBs to play against. Yeah. And then you've got... Sherat Gudas on the second line. Oh, thank God, Ekblad, Ekblad and Uyghur <laughs> yeah. are off the ice. Uh, yeah. well, now we get to face Sherat and Radko Gundas. <laughs> Gundas. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, I, but that being said, you know, like they, Bobrovsky is, he let in a lot of goals last night against the Montreal Canadiens. He does that sometimes. He does. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but yeah. anyways, um, I don't I don't consider the, the Pittsburgh Penguins to be a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, unfortunately, at this okay. point. I, they, yeah. they have first-round exit written out to me. They could that It could but, very uh, well be. Could very well be. You, you never know. Um, finally, before we get out of here, Let's uh, let's let's talk about the GM's meetings, which okay. are taking place. Um, no, they've taken place already. They they've finished. taken place. Pardon me. They finished yesterday. Yes. So time is linear. We're doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, getting older. Um, there's two pieces of news that we kind of already knew about. Like they were yep. rumored for so long, yep. but they were confirmed at the GM meetings. Uh, and... Firstly, you said on this podcast before that it's crazy that two teams playing a nothing game in the dog days of the season have to be cap compliant, and then you can be in triple overtime at Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, and it does not matter how much over the cap you are. Right. Looks like that might be changing. Can you give me your thoughts on that? Slowly but surely it might be. It's not going to change for these playoffs. No, no, of course it's not going to change for these playoffs. And if it does, it'll be for next year. That'd be hilarious if it did. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but okay, so, so uh, you know, as, as we all know that you have to be within the confines of the salary cap to play, mm-hmm. to play in the regular season. You have to be, you, you know, your, your roster, not just the guys you dress, your roster, yep. entire roster has to be compliant with the salary cap. And so, you know, what's happening now is, is you see the situation, you saw it with, with Patrick Kane in 2015, yep, he came back for the playoffs. He was he was on LTIR for a lot of the year. Came back for the playoffs. You saw it last year with Kucherov, which is sort of the poster child for all of this, right? Um, but now you shouldn't have leaned so far into that. <laughs> just talk about sticking a sticking a bullseye yeah, on yeah. your back. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he should have just been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, tough year, tough year, tough. Yeah, year. well, they went out and won, so it it doesn't matter. Yeah, so so. And now you're going to see if Vegas makes it, it's probably going to happen there. Yeah, it might it might happen in Toronto with Jake Muzzin. So what it what started as what everybody thought might be a one off, then it's now becoming a tactic. It's now becoming a strategy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I and and so in in that evolution, you're losing the spirit of the salary cap without question. Yeah. You're losing the spirit of what the salary cap is supposed to be. Yeah. And how it's supposed to create parity and how it's you know because it doesn't. Yeah. If you can put a guy on LTR and then go out and replace him with another guy that makes the same amount of money and then you can bring them back both back for the playoffs, mm-hmm. that's hugely that's a huge advantage for teams that don't care about spending money. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of teams that don't care. Like, it's not, you know, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs don't care about spending $81.5 million. They'd gladly spend a lot more than that. Yeah. You know, so so that's, so if you're going to have a salary cap, you got to have a salary cap. Right. And so what the GMs under, and, and Ken Holland was the guy that sort of spearheaded all of this too, is, okay, Whoa, so. Whoa, that's breaking news. No, it's not. I is listened it? to the Chris Johnson yeah. show yesterday and, uh. And 
he was very playing the cards very close to the chest as to who was spearheading this. Okay, well, it was Ken Holland. <laughs> he was the one that sent Sorry, the Kenny boy, but uh, He was the one that sent the email out to the 10 GMs and he was the one who who started all of this. He starts a lot of this stuff. Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of good ideas. One of them is a play-in for the to, for the final playoff spot, yeah. increasing the playoffs to 20 teams and and having a play in for the final playoff spot. Yeah. That is my mind is a crappy idea, but <laughs> he has a lot of really good ideas and this is one of them. Yeah. So he, he, he put this forward and, and it's basically what he's saying is, okay, yeah, you can do this at the trade deadline. You can go out and get these players at the trade deadline. You can be over the cap. You can put guys on LTR. You can put them back in once the playoffs start, but the roster that you play in every game, the actual game roster has to comply to the salary cap, right? Right, and so I, th- I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good compromise. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good compromise. Yeah, and then that way it's you've got to decide. So you know you won't you, have you, miraculous recoveries. Well, you, you walking still, into the playoffs, you still will, but then you've got to decide. Okay, well, our ten million dollar guy is coming back in. So now we have to find $10 million to sit in the press box yeah. and watch this game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a really good compromise. I would yeah. love to see the the NHL do this. I I completely agree with you. Um I mean, I like this this Genie is not going back in the bottle. I would yeah. love to see a soft cap. Like that would be the ideal situation. I'd for love me. to see no cap. I'd love to see no cap. I don't think. Yeah. It, I don't. I think the salary cap's a big waste of time. It doesn't create parity. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Good teams are good. Good teams that are run well and managed well do well in yeah. any economic model. Yeah. Bad teams that are run poorly do badly in every economic model. Yeah. This is not about parity. This is about cost certainty. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. It's about cost certainty. It's about yeah. franchise values. It's about all those other things. It's not about making the league, yeah. you know, creating more parity within the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, it does like, create a situation where uh, expansion becomes um, less of an issue. Like pe- people will be willing to invest into expansion. Yeah. That's, because that's of that. Seattle and I think, that that's, yeah. a, I think yeah. that's a positive uh, aspect yeah. of the cap. Um. Speaking of the cap, like I said, that's not it's not happening. The soft cap's not happening. This is a compromise. I agree with you. I think it's a good idea. Well, and plus it it it, it sort of protects you against it going the other way, right? Yeah. Like the big reason why they did this in the first place was um they were they were prepared. The NHL was prepared to have a, a hard cap in the playoffs. Right. But then one of the GMs said, What if like half my lineup gets injured? Yeah. Then what happens? In the playoffs, do I have to play with like 17 players, yeah. 14, 16 players? Yeah. And then they were like, ooh, humana, humana, humana. Okay, well, yeah. we'll do it this way. Especially we so, do, COVID does still exist. It does. And <laughs> apparently a sixth wave is coming. So, yeah. Um, once again, it seems confirmed that the NHL salary cap will go up by a million bucks. Yeah. Do you think that this eases the noose on some of the capped out teams? I wrote here capital teams. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> That's funny. Some of the capped out teams. And uh, how do you think that this affects, notice how I didn't say effects, but I said affects the off season. Well, I mean, I think it, it's, it's better than it going down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, we were and it. And you know, it, like flat cap has become sort of the vernacular for, the yeah. economic landscape of the NHL for the next four or five years. Right. Like everybody's assuming it's going to basically be a flat cap. Yeah. This is basically a flat cap. I mean, a million dollars is not nothing. Yeah. What is it? It's a it's an entry level player. <laughs> Here's know? the thing though, I, I think that we were just talking about injury. Yep. And there there have been teams that have had to play this year, as you mentioned, with without a full roster. Because yep. of injury, like if I was a team that was right up against a salary cap, I would use I would leave that million bucks as a little bit of space. Yeah, and then that allows me to be able to call up players and do these things. Like I don't think that this necessarily makes a difference on moves per se, mm-hmm. and signings per se. I don't think that this you know um, means that you're going to sign another an extra league minimum contract just for the sake of it. But I do think that this improves the product in the sense that now teams that are dealing with injuries. Like if they're smart, like 
we know that some GMs are just going to say, yeah, you're not, hey, yeah. a million bucks. I wonder if Douglas it, Murray wants to play. No, I think, see, but the thing is, is, is it's, you're, you're talking about keeping your powder dry, right? Yeah. And, and that's all, that's great in a perfect world. Yeah. But when you're up against it, it's hard to, it's hard to find that wiggle room. Right. You know, especially if you're a good team and you've got a lot of good players. Yeah. So, I mean, it helps. It yeah. certainly helps. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a panacea because in, in other years, the cap's gone up 3 million, the cap's gone up 4 million, the cap's yeah. gone up whatever. Yeah. And, and it's just not making those big leaps. It's making very small and gradual yeah. sort of incremental things. And, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to change things in a big, big way, but yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, like it's better news than, yeah, we lost, we lost and the cap's going down or, you know, it's staying flat or whatever. Like at least, you know, there's some good news on the horizon that revenues are, are, you know, sort of more robust Yeah, and we're coming out of this thing with a decent economic model because I mean, COVID was a huge financial reckoning for the oh. NHL and hockey. COVID was a huge financial reckoning. Period. Yeah, like for sure. Yeah, not to not to get too personal here, but like my mutual funds are almost back in the black. Yeah, they went into the red. Yeah, like by a lot. Yep. Anyways, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. So finally, before we get out of here, I'll, another little bit of news item. Um, a friend of mine texted me last night and said, "That's not news. People do text me occasionally." Right. Right. A friend of mine. You're burying the lead again. A friend yeah. of mine texted me last night and said, uh, "Did you see that Taylor Paul, uh, Taylor Hall punch?" He said, "I heard that Nazem Kadri is getting suspended eight games for it." Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But the Taylor Hall punch, five thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Anything to say about well, it? What do you expect me to say about it? What do you expect me to say? I expect you to. It's brutal. Yeah. It's it's egregious. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I and and you know what? I'm not gonna go as far as the Todd Bertuzzi thing. Like no. a lot of people are yeah. saying this is what no, it's not what Todd Bertuzzi did. No. Todd Bertuzzi punched and then jumped and then you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and that so it's not what Todd Bertuzzi did, but it's akin to yes. that kind of yeah. thing. So if you're going to be a league that talks about protecting the head and talks about protecting players, and then you don't suspend a guy for that, that's ridiculous. Like personally, yeah. I think I personally I think something like that should be ten games. Yeah. It, but I I would have realistically expected it to be two. Right. I mean, Austin Matthews cross checks um, Darlene. Darlene in the neck gets yeah. two games, and then this isn't worth two games. Yeah. I mean the hit. The Labushkin hit was pretty dangerous too. And even you could argue that this was even more intentional than the Matthews cross check because it wasn't the same. Oh, yeah. This, that that yeah. was a jousting match and yeah. this was yeah. a punch. Yeah. I, here, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If your reasoning for having fighting in the NHL is that this way you can have a release valve, a pressure valve, then you have to treat that as the pressure valve. And sucker punches are not the pressure valve. And, and cross-checks yeah. to the head are not the pressure valve. And I know that willing combatants comes up again and again and again, but it doesn't... It's it's almost like a catchphrase at this point. Yeah. It's not actually... Because this was not a willing combatant. Right. And so, uh, look, the bottom line is, is that at no point do you get hit in the head and it's a positive thing, right? But if there was a situation where you're like, okay, I'm pissed off about situation x on the ice i have two options here i sucker punch the guy and get 10 games which i agree with you wholeheartedly with yeah or i fight the guy or i take his number or, or, I, take or his number. I take his yeah, number and, and exactly and, and when he's when he's chasing that's down how they a do puck. it in football yeah when he's chasing down a puck in the corner yeah th then that's my chance that's no right? but that's how they do it in football yeah, yeah. they literally yeah. they literally um when a guy face masked our quarterback when i was playing varsity when a guy face master quarterback, they literally called a timeout, said whatever his number was, 67 linebacker. They ran uh, a dive play to that linebacker's side with me faking with the ball yeah, so that I could hit that linebacker. And now football is just the worst thing for your head ever yeah, yeah. because I buried my head 
into his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not super proud of that. And yeah. I wouldn't do that, yeah. you know, now, well, and- but like as a stupid little kid, but this is my point is that, like you said, you can take a number. And at that point, at that time, that was a legal play. There wasn't all the stuff about CTE. We didn't know. Right. Right. That was a legal play. And so you take a number and you do a legal play. Right. I, I, I agree with you. You have I, hitting, you have fighting. All of this stuff right. is legal and within the rule book. Well, it's technically fighting isn't, but, but yeah, but it's part of the culture of the game. It's part of it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to take Labushkin off the, off the hook here either for yeah. the hit. Cause that Fair was enough. a dangerous hit Yeah, and it was, it was bad. Yeah. And, and that should have been looked at by player safety as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, to me, like you say, you take a number, like Nathan McKinnon didn't take a number. Yeah. Miko Rantanen got hit yeah. with a clean hit. Yeah. And what Nathan McKinnon is doing fighting yeah. in that situation <laughs> yeah, is ridiculous. I know, I know. You know, Nathan McKinnon, so take a number. Yeah. He fights, he gets hurt. He's hurt now mm-hmm. because of that fight. Yeah. No, so, I, I, you know. Yeah, no, that, but but going back to the to the Taylor Hall thing, it's 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 really bad. Like it's, that's potentially a really dangerous play. Yeah. And you know, so we'll sit here and we'll go, you got a $5,000 fine and blah, blah, blah. You know, if that goes South and it goes the wrong way, then everybody is like, well, that's not a part of hockey. That's not you. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Yeah. You I know, that's no harm. No, that's foul. not a part of hockey. You know, that's not part of our game. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it really is. It really, really, really is part of the game. I said it two weeks ago. No harm, no foul is one of the most mm-hmm. insidious detrimental ideologies in sports. Right. Right. The same thing with why is attempted murder less than murder? Oh, I shot you in the head. Good thing you survived. Now I only get three years in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a, it was a potentially dangerous play. And that, and then that's where, that's where there's no, like it just, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Yeah. You know, so if Taylor Hall had, Knocked him out, yeah. And he fell to the ice and hit his head. He'd be looking at a big suspension, but because the guy fell down and then got up and skated away, like it's right. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that was that was an egregiously bad play, and they those see what what bugs me is though like. Every time you see stuff like this, it's like it's like well they they always say well that's the kind of play we're trying to get out of hockey. Okay. So get it out. So get it out of hockey. Yeah. Taylor Hall makes what? Uh, six? Six, six. Yeah, six, six and change. Five million, one twentieth of six, one one hundred and twentieth of his yearly pay is that fine. Uh, he, he, you, he spent that much on a haircut at some point <laughs> yeah, in his life. I'm sure he did. He spent that much on a haircut at some point in his life. Yeah. I, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I agree with you. You can get out of the game whatever you want to get out of the game. You know. Uh, oh, that yeah. It, that's that to me is. So if you don't want to get it out, well, then, they like it. They like it. I, that's what I'm saying. That's the problem. They like it. Yeah. They yeah. want to tell people. And then what b- drives me nuts is they cluck their tongues and point their fingers when it goes sideways. Yeah. You know, but they like it. This is the. This they is like the, it, uh, and I wish they just admit it. Yeah. This is the hockey equivalent of like when our parliament all took a knee in solidarity of Black Lives Matters. And it's like, how about you go write a bill? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You guys are the yeah, ones with the power the, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, You know, yeah, that's fine yeah. for y- you and me here, you know, but like you guys are yeah. the ones that can actually make a- make How about a, some hate crime legislation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You guys can make a big difference yeah. in the world. So yeah, no, you and I can cluck our tongues, but when, yeah, I agree. You want to get out of here? <sighs> I think people want us to get out of here. <laughs> it's been a while been a long one yeah no about average okay yeah yeah no i think i'm done all right well thanks so much for sticking around check out kencampbell.substack.com check us out on youtube oh we got a big announcement coming up too potentially big announcement yeah almost certain um so stick around for that and uh check us out on youtube at hockey unfiltered and of course ratings and reviews are appreciated leave comments on youtube we read them we joke about them we'll joke with you and uh see you next week